What's up, Next Level people? Today's episode, we're diving into a topic that most people are very uncomfortable talking about. It's a topic that I'm prepared to get a lot of backlash on, actually, because some people just aren't ready for it. But this is Next Level people. We are not going to pull the punches. We are diving in because there are some people that need this episode. We're talking about sexual assault in the military. This is episode five of five of our Veterans Week, and we are talking to Polo Tate, who is just an incredible human being that has gone through some of the most terrifying things that you can imagine, and it was done at the hands of people she trusted and looked up to. While this is a part of our Veterans Week, this episode and Polo's book titled Deep Dark Blue has information that anyone that's gone through sexual assault or knows someone that has needs to hear. And because of that, we're doing a book giveaway of Polo's book, again, titled Deep Dark Blue. There will be several winners chosen. And here's the way that you enter the drawing. Go to iTunes, find Next Level People, give us a review. In the review, you must mention this episode with Polo Tate specifically and how you have been personally impacted by this episode. Once you've done that, take a screenshot of the review and email it to nextlevelpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nextlevelpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And we will be choosing and contacting the winners in the month of December. All right? So... Thanks so much for listening. Share this episode. Give us that review. And now let's get this show on the road. Oh, my God. So I literally for like the last hour have been like watching your other interviews. I'm like, okay, I don't want to ask like in the same way the questions. But like, are you recording, Greg? I hope so. I'm recording. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) So you've been on the Kelly show. You've been interviewed by people that have like serious training in talking about abuse and like getting through these types of situations. Wow. I think as it's interesting, it's actually interesting that you say that because I, I think on some level, there's no training that can prepare you for that heart shot that is talking about abuse and all of that and, and sexual assault. And, and this is where we're sort of finding our footing, you know, in this new conversation. And the fact that we even have room to talk about this, the fact that you guys want to have this conversation just shows how much progress we've made Mm -hmm. to be able to sort of push and pull on that social construct to allow space for this conversation. Yeah. Like I want to know, like, because there have been so many people to go through these types of things and they don't even talk about it. Like, how would you want somebody to approach you about the subject? So interesting. You never, you never plan for that until it starts happening. And Oddly enough for me, I love people. I just, I love talking to people anyway. And I used to be a makeup artist for a while when I first came to New York City and I was acting, but it wasn't paying the bills yet and writing, but it wasn't paying the bills yet. And so I was like, what can I do to like, you know, um, I did notice your eye makeup and wanted to ask you how to do that actually. Yeah, same here. I was like, damn. (laughs) 
really good on you. Okay, we'll do makeup tutorials next. <laughs> but I literally had to stop doing makeup because the conversation that we would have in the chair with both men and women got so intense so immediately. And wow. they would be sobbing. And of course, <laughs> I would be sobbing. And the photographer would be like, are you guys ready? I'm like, okay, just, I'll be right there. I'm just going to touch her up. And just like mascara, like Tammy Faye Baker. It was, it was intense, but it, it, but it was amazing. And, and I think there's an element of that sort of raw vulnerability that can't help but come out when you know that somebody else has gone through it. Because, because everybody who has gone through it, every, you know, people aren't hashtags, right? Every situation is a different situation. So even within the, the growing movement of the Me Too movement and Time's Up and all of that, there's a, there's a radical topography within that. And everybody's experience is different. So, and while you're going through it, you think you're alone and you think you're the only one. I spent my most of my entire life thinking that I was alone, even in a room full of people. So when you when you find when somebody has been vocal and has sort of had the courage to step out and make their story public or known, it is a safe place to fall or at least a safer place to fall in talking to them than people that you don't know if they have, even though for the love of God, it happens so much that all of us yep. know somebody either vicariously or have experienced it ourselves. Yeah. No, the so stats are insane. The stats are insane, are. especially in comparison to the number of people that are not talking about it. Like the stats versus the people that talk about it are so just, there's such a huge gap because nobody wants to talk about it because there's that shame, there's guilt, there's all sorts of, I mean, it could be, it could impact family because it's just all sorts of stuff. There's politics, yes. there's all sorts, oh man, it's such an insane know, topic right? to get into and it's, it's, it's an elephant and these conversations are the bites of the elephant and it's so hard and the people writing books like you and people being vocal about it is yeah. how we see change. Uh, and that is why I'm super excited about talking to you today about this subject. And real quick, I mean, we dove straight into this conversation. Oh. I love it when we do that, but we got an intro. I mean, who, who is I this want, lady that we're talking to? to? Intro, Cause <laughs> she does this like radio sounding intro on her Facebook videos. I'm like, Oh my God, she's got her own little, packaged intro going on yeah <laughs> love it oh um yeah i'm happy to do it all right let's do it i, I want to hear this this sounds good <laughs> hi guys this is polo tate author of deep dark blue with your yummy licious thought of the day for next level people yeah! <laughs> i'm excited for today's conversation you guys truly i've been looking forward to it and I'm, I am really, I think in order to get to the next level, you have to first acknowledge and appreciate the level that you're on. Mm -hmm. And from that space, you can go anywhere and it's going to be authentic and it's going to be heartfelt and it's going to be backed by the power to create worlds. So bring it on, truly. Yeah, I love it. So I got your book by Mark Jacobs, who I don't even know the story of how you know Mark Jacobs, but he was my partner <laughs> at Tony Robbins, where I myself had a tremendous breakthrough. It's funny because I went there 
definitely was not drinking the Kool-Aid prior. Like I saw these people jumping up and down and like, it was an adult rave party. And I'm like, okay, I was really like standoffish. And by the end I was jumping too, but I got a seasoned Tony Robbins partner. This guy had been to like unleash the power within, you know, he, he was drinking the Kool-Aid and, and he knew I was a newbie. So Makes he got to you. like, experience it through a newbie's eyes and we immediately gravitated towards each other so when he sent me your book I was like I'm like gonna devour this because you know I learned so much from him and he was a fantastic partner and I trusted him and he just got me to like this crazy level that I had never experienced before and he was right that's wild he is an intense and beautiful he is and thank you that was incredibly sweet he was, a, he, from the get-go, he read my book and called me sobbing. And I know just, we met each other uh, way back when on a cruise, of all things. Wow. <laughs> and have since been on like three, four, six, ten cruises <laughs> together. We have Recently. Yeah. I know. We, we were segueing in Barcelona literally a week ago. What? And we were going up all these, you know, cobblestone streets of Europe. It was beautiful. And all of a sudden, in a pedicab, <laughs> like a king in like a rickshaw, was Mark Jacobs. And he came up and blocked our way and then hopped out and like gave me a big old hug in Barcelona. So it, it, our paths crossed magically and, and beautifully in random places around the world. But he is a he is a very sweet and profound soul, and it doesn't surprise me that he was part of the reason for you to kind of have that turn of <laughs> faith and just opening from Tony's experiences. And, and listen, there are there are gurus, and um, I use that term lovingly given yeah. his latest documentary. Yeah. <laughs> There are there are best-selling authors and uh, and leaders who are incredible. And whatever your vehicle is for self-acknowledgement and improvement, kudos to you for even being skeptical but going. You know, because mm -hmm. it can only help looking inward. Yeah. Oh man, it's funny because. <laughs> but ultimately. <laughs> oh my God! So I went there honestly to learn how to manage my manager. He actually sent me there to try to like network with the Platinum Club. We had like yeah. two different reasons for attending. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So it was funny because Mark Jacobs was behind me screaming, my seven-year-old can do it. And then I saw like this brittle woman in front of me who is probably close to 70 and she did it. And then I saw a lady next to me who was just struggling to get her hand through, but she was stopping every time at the wood. Oh and I was like, Okay, like everything that I have learned over the past five days is about mindset. It's, you know, your mind is truly like able to make you do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. And, and a lot of what I was thinking about too are like all these bullies that I have never stood up to. And it was like a culmination of like this job that I was unhappy in and these bullies that like had pushed me around and won. And I was like, I am going to give it one good go. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. 
Yes. yes. And oh my God, I didn't even realize that I had broke the wood until the guy who was holding it like held it up and showed oh. me. And then when he showed me that, I just screamed like this guttural <laughs> scream. That's oh, awesome. it was crazy. Just like And oh then God. yeah, I mean I practically I almost cried. It was like so freeing, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. Yes. So, yeah. Polo, talk to me. I mean, I want to hear your story. I know it's in the book, and I know, like, if you could give us, like, the Cliff Notes version of <laughs> what you've gone through. Because I want, I know that there are a lot of people that listen that might be in that boat of people that have had something happen to them, but they haven't gotten to the point of talking about it yet and whether or not this gets them to the point of talking about it or if it's just a small step towards healing i'm okay with whatever that is as long as it's a step in the right direction so i would love for you to share that story and i know that rena has a bunch of questions she's been super excited about sharing this with our audience too mm. well thank you and and thank you for having me and i love what you said about even no matter where you are in your journey, if this inspires you to take one step forward, whatever that is, I am so happy. This is why I, I, I wrote the book to, as a catharsis for my own self to deal with what had happened, to be able to purge everything out onto paper and sort out my emotions and figure out my life and how to survive what had happened. But I sought to get it published for everybody out there for exactly the reason that you just said, who feels trapped in the solitary confinement of their circumstance, who feels alone, who feels in danger, to have something that can penetrate that isolation. And so thank you, thank you for having me. And and essentially, I, I grew up in Lansing, Michigan. Um, my great-great-grandfather was Ari Olds, who in, was a prolific inventor, and it took my um, family to Michigan, where my parents were both born and raised. I was extremely driven and weirdly self-disciplined as a child. I, <laughs> I, um, I, I got the bug to go into the Air Force about at about 11, and I pressed my dream into metal into a pair of dog tags. I like I yeah. lassoed a friend of mine, and I <laughs> went to the Army Navy surplus store, and I had him make a pair of dog tags with the the desire that I had that I wanted to be in the Air Force someday. Mm. And so with those things strapped around my neck or shoved in my sock for every game, I got a 4.0 GPA all through high school. I played three varsity sports all four years. I got senatorial nominations to both the Air Force Academy and West Point, was accepted to both and recruited everywhere for basketball, volleyball, and soccer. And I finally made the decision to go to the Air Force Academy. My ultimate goal was to go into the FBI. It was to to fly planes and 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 to be a pilot, but not necessarily a career pilot, more be uh, in the behavioral analysis unit mm. to profile for the FBI. Yeah. And I, I actually was recruited out of high school being an empath and being interested in, in governmental work, in working for one of the alphabet soups of, <laughs> yeah. of government service. Um, the highest ranking woman in the FBI at the time took me under her wing, and, and so she sort Ow. of toward me. It was, it was amazing. So that was my ultimate goal. And I knew that 
going to a service academy, you've already been governmentally vetted, you've been trained by the best of the best, you're going into this elite upper echelon of military service and leadership training. And I was like, bring it on. I am all in. And when I got there for basic training at the Air Force Academy, I was like, yes, this is everything <laughs> I wanted it to be. Wow. <laughs> it was full-on physical immersion, full-on academic immersion, military uh, immersion and testing. And, and it was incredible. You know, you're sort of thrust into this sudden, overwhelming environment <laughs> with, with them breaking you down as a civilian and building you back up as a soldier and it started out amazingly. I met my team, my volleyball team at the Air Force Academy and befriended, or I guess she befriended me, the captain of our volleyball team. And she sort of took me under her wing and it, and it sort of mirrored a relationship that I had in high school with the best athlete in our state who had been sort of eyeballing me since I was in sixth grade and, and brought me into the high school experience in a way that showed me how you can remain driven and, and, and accomplish all that you want to accomplish while being sociable and, and social in high school, but not losing sight, not taking your eye off the ball. So I thought this was a relationship that was similar to that. And here this firsty, the senior, this captain, the Air Force Academy volleyball team who had her name up on the wall already for kills and uh, stats. It was incredible. Mm. But little did I know that she was really isolating me and sort of drawing me away from not only my friends, but my other teammates, my other squadron mates. And eventually it ended up in one night waking up to her overpowering me, sexually assaulting me, violating me in such a way that it left me sort of adrift. Yeah. And three weeks after that, a male cadet came into my room, locked the door and knocked me off my feet and, and brutally violated me in a way that sort of left me broken. And yeah. both were physically penetrating and most emotionally just eviscerating. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Cause it's, Unfortunately, it's a lot of times it's people that you trust, and that's mm. the, that's the scary part. Is, it is it's people that you trust, it's people that you look up to, uh, and that's like I, I mentioned the whole family thing earlier, where sometimes yes. it, it might be a family member that you trust that everybody else trusts, and so you feel like you can't talk about it. You feel like nobody's going to believe me. I am alone in this. Uh, the and it's also. I mean, I, I don't know if this is how it was for you, but it's also like, is this is this my fault? Did I did I do something to bring oh, this upon myself? Doubts. Oh my god! Like thousand percent. Yeah, like what was going through your head? I mean, I feel like that's the hardest part. Is like, what do I do? It is the hardest part, and especially. You know, you you talk about family and and the military, any sort of team, uh, a school situation, a social situation where you are close, where there is a close knit group of people, it feels familial. It feels like mm. a family, and and it absolutely has the dynamic of a family. So, 
little did I know, I felt like me divulging what had happened, me saying it out loud to another person made it not only more real, but sort of pulled the pin on this grenade that would explode my life, my Mm. team, my academy experience, my Air Force future. You know, I thought that was the moment of impact where, and and I took responsibility, that huge, massive responsibility just sat on me and weighed heavily and really suffocated me so that I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. When... I wasn't thinking about the fact that, no, it was the moment that these two events happened. It was those choices that hurt people make to hurt other people. That was the moment of impact. And that wasn't my responsibility. It's my responsibility what I do after. But mm. but I was, you know, of course, being the people pleaser and the and the lover of people and and as precarious as your position is anyway at the Air Force Academy, let alone as the bottom of the totem pole as a freshman, I was so hesitant and so reluctant to say a word because Mm. automatically you're the target. Whoever speaks up, that mouthpiece is now the target for bullying, harassment, not believing you know, all of those things that we hear victims who become victors go through. Yeah. So what was, I mean, that first... I want to know, like, yeah, who could you it. talk to? Like, <laughs> was there someone that you could call, that you could trust? There wasn't. And, and, and there wasn't for, for a good period of time, what felt like a lifetime for me. And, and I have to put an asterisk to that because I think we all feel like there wasn't, and we all feel like there isn't, especially when you're, you're sort of trapped in that mentality and that silence, you feel like there is no person that I can go to. No place is a safe place. No person is a safe person. It's going to get out. It's going to get back to the perpetrators and they're going to come at me again. And, and not only that, but I had to see them every single day. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's enough. It was enough to make me extremely self-destructive in trying to just get myself back on track. You know, the, the thing that makes you such a good cadet and the thing that allows you to get into a place like a service academy is also the thing that keeps you from saying a word and makes you shut your mouth and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and keep going. Mm-hmm. So keep your head down and and work your ass off. So so I didn't feel like there was a person that I could go to. I didn't feel safe anywhere that I was. What had been my safe haven in volleyball turned out to be a really violent and destructive place. And things got so bad for me just physically and and academically and emotionally that I wasn't performing in the way that I used to perform. And a teammate of mine who was actually in my squadron came into my room while I was in a disassociative sort of tremor. And she was like, what is going on, Paul? Tell me, what is your problem? And in my sort of PTSD haze, I told her about the first assault. 
and that was it. Immediately, she took it to our chain of command, and an investigation ensued. How do you feel about her doing that? I think at the time, it was terrifying. At the time, everything relating to that was terrifying. And I knew that my life would never be the same. I, I did, I, I absolutely remember that stark moment when I heard the words outside of my mouth, outside of my head. And I, I knew that my life would be forever changed. There was no going back. And of course, looking back on it now, that was probably one of the things that set in motion me surviving it because I couldn't go on at the rate that I was going on and trying to juggle all of these balls and stay silent and stay safe and stay safe from myself as well. I, it, it's unsustainable when you try to compartmentalize like that. It, that toxicity just leaks into every other compartment of your life and it and it ruins you. So, of course, I am so appreciative of her now. And uh, and she's reached out to me since. And we've had just sort of a beautiful healing. Wow. Moment. I was going to say, like, mm -hmm. were there ever moments of you upset with her for doing it? You know, I was never upset with her for That's doing it. it. I yeah. was, uh, everything was turned inward. I thought this was my fault. I thought I had brought it on myself. I absolutely thought that it was somehow my responsibility to manage all of these people's lives and what would happen and and especially our captain's life. She had threatened to commit suicide and and so I was sort of trying to hold at bay all of these precarious things. And so I never was, I never was upset with her. I was scared shitless. I was scared shitless. Um, I didn't want to talk to JAG officers. I certainly didn't want to stand up in front of a panel of brass and tell this horrifying, embarrassing, violent, hurtful story. Um, and the investigation, of course, just wrought all of those things out for a lengthy period of time. It was, it was not easy. Wow. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And so you, what was, yeah, go. yeah, no, the, uh, my, my question is because one of the, if I look at kind of the, the 10,000 foot view at this thing, you had, a a lot of things where they told you, I am valuable. Like you got into the Air Force Academy, you did all these things, you were on the volleyball team, and then in a moment, and then another moment that happened very quickly after that, all of that was stripped away. What was what was the process going from I have value to all of that is all the things that gave me value before is stripped away? How do you go from that point? to realizing, no, I'm still valuable, even though somebody did some atrocious things to me. Because it's not about what anybody else did to you that actually takes your value away. You're a valuable person regardless. But I'm curious, how did you, what was that process from having that identity stripped to regaining that value and that identity? Um, such a beautiful, complicated, and simple 
complicated question and a simple answer that we so often it takes a lifetime to sort of get back to and i'm i'm so glad you you acknowledge the fact that anything external nothing external gives you value mm-hmm. and so often we we do we we couple our identity with what we do we couple it with what we have we couple it with what we acquire and reach for and instead of really acknowledging the fact that oh my god we are all worthy and unique and valuable just in how we've shown up in this earthly experience you know mm-hmm. there is so much incredible and unique perspective and value that we all have and it and it is so essential and so necessary to our life experience and if that is remotely precarious if there is if we haven't done the work to decouple our what we do and what we have from who we are then something like an experience like sexual assault an experience like violence or bullying or abuse or anything like that can not only strip you down to the studs but it can break you and and there are so many people who haven't yet recovered and and it will strip you down to the studs anyway even with your fullest sense of self and your most stable emotional and spiritual and physical and mental value it'll it'll test you to no end Mm. however there is a space and sometimes it is a tiny uh, finger hold sometimes it's a tiny foothold a pinhole of light there is there are incremental things that you can reach for better feeling thoughts and going general in terms of this has all happened but i know that some that i know that other people have survived this i know that i am worthy of being in this life experience i can't lose sight of that how do i get there and even just opening yourself up acknowledging where you are first and foremost was my huge was my gestalt moment putting my hand over my heart and being like how do i feel i don't feel good i feel broken and violated and humiliated i feel like a failure i feel like all of my dreams that i have sought to to reach for were gone in an instant and i feel like it's my fault just as we started this show with you you can't get to the next level until you acknowledge and appreciate the level that you're on you have to acknowledge and appreciate where you are mm-hmm. just emotionally and in that moment immediately your heart mind body spirit soul sync up and you are finally in alignment to be able to take that next step and when you take that next step it is with your total self and anything any place that you go from there any step that you take is going to be with all of you and it's going to be better than where you were yeah and i, I think mean, so no, go, go ahead no go for no, it no please 
<laughs> no, you're 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 going for it because this is this is golden. So I'm not going to interrupt. I love what you said about putting your hand on your heart because earlier today we were just having a conversation with Lila Smith about that exact thing about how she has found her alignment mm-hmm. and appreciating where she is and acknowledging that you know she was talking about how her father like really wants her to become a mother. But, you know, acknowledging where she's at and feeling in alignment and the projects that she's working on are her babies right now. And that's okay. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing to be able, from that clarity, you have to know yourself. You have to know where you are in order to, to make decisions like that and know that you have the full force of the universe behind you because it feels good and authentic to you. Mm. So often we make decisions that are not ours. They are for somebody else. They are about somebody else. And, and if you just take a moment and, and putting your hand over your heart, it connects you with your body. And so often we're so disconnected from our body. We're disconnected from our mind, our heart, our spirit. It, it, it allows that integration to of body mind and spirit and and this isn't a religious thing this is just purely energetic and uh the forces that we all have in this sort of you know physical gravitational universe (laughs) Mm -hmm. to feel the rhythm of that yes to feel the beat of your life yeah i have i'm i want to get a little bit deeper into this because like these conversations are so important. Even if people are just being a fly on the wall right now, this type of a conversation, I, I really, I feel the impact and the power that's going to be behind this episode. And so I want to dive as deep as we can in the rest of the time that we have. Would you, would you say that you are to the point of complete healing from this yet? I think to say that anybody is at a point of complete healing with anything is tough is a tough one it may be it may be naive to the fact that we're all a work in progress and uh, I'll just give you a, a tiny scenario I am in such an incredibly better place than I ever have been before and I truly believe whatever progress you make even if you take two steps back with the one that you, one giant leap that you took forward, you are farther along than you ever have been and there's no going back. And I, and I truly believe that. Once you charter territory in this life with your experience and your emotionality and your feeling and, and your sensory perception, I don't believe that you can ever go back to the place that you were. Can it feel like you are two steps back from where you want to be, yes, but I, I, I don't think you can ever go back because we're we're born anew in every moment, right? Mm-hmm. So, so with this <laughs> with this knowledge and this feeling, I'm feeling in such a better place. I'm I'm so happy to be able to talk about this and for for beautiful opportunities like you you both have in this podcast to actually have this conversation and to go there. I, I'm feeling really good. And then the Supreme Court hearings took place with Kavanaugh and with Blasey Ford. Mm. And I'm telling you, I watched only little snippets of it. I had, of course, friends giving me a play-by-play, like ESPN coverage of what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But I watched a snippet of it, and 
I sat there in my living room with tears just streaming down my face, threatening to go into the ugly cry for exactly where so many of us have been in a nation full of people and our feeling like nobody's going to believe you. Nobody will give you credit. And regardless of the politics of that situation, you know, absent of that, it still brought up right in our faces this whole idea, the whole idea of something that you would be ashamed about, that you wouldn't ever imagine telling another person, but that you so desperately need to tell another person. You have to get it out of you. However that may be, whatever your natural inclination is, whether it be something creative, writing, painting, athletic, something uh, dramatic in terms of whatever other art form, you have to get it out of you. You have to tell that story, if not to somebody else, out loud to yourself and hopefully with somebody trusted. It, it's an essential part of the process. And and I was never one to find somebody and confide in them. Right. I was I've always been very analytical in my head, even though I'm I'm an actor and a performer. I, I'm my personal stuff. I I really I have to get somewhere with it in my own head and heart before I share it usually. And if you don't get to that place where you can share it, it will absolutely manifest itself in some sort of physical dis-ease of some sort, Mm -hmm. injury, uh, your life exploding in some way. You just, you have to get it out. So what, what would you say your definition of healing is for you? Because that's, I feel like that is a very personal question, but it has a much broader application uh, to hopefully, I mean, again, if this is, if somebody listening, if this just defining what your healing will eventually look like, that could be a really good first step because then that gives you hope of something to work towards. And so I'm just curious, what, what is your definition of being healed, even in the, in the light of, yes, we're, we're a work in progress, but what does that look like for you? Such a good question. Um, and I, I, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but for me personally, Mm -hmm. my healing is being able to be present Mm. and open in every moment and be myself fully, authentically, unapologetically myself in every moment to the best of my ability. And in that space, from that space, if you are present, you're not haunted by your past, you're not tormented by a future that hasn't come yet, you're not chiding yourself with all that chatter and those voices in your head for being anywhere than where you are right now. And and I have to say, you know, there are things that I do every single day to to bring myself back to that place or to maintain my presence and you know things like meditation as as cheesy as it sounds mindset like you were talking about Rena is everything mm-hmm. if that's if that's one tiny iota of what you got from that weekend with Tony Robbins then kudos <laughs> to Tony Robbins and kudos to you for being open to that mindset is everything it, and if you're for me if i'm able when I'm able to get to a place where I am fully in the moment, I'm all of myself 
unapologetically and totally authentically and open-heartedly in that moment, then that's everything to me. I consider that a success, whatever happens from there. (laughs) Do you think that some of that has come from your theater? Because I feel like in order to be present, like, and be a performer, you have to be really in the moment with your ensemble and you have to listen and you have to read them and you have to mirror them and you have to have their back. A thousand percent. That's one of the things that I love most about it is that it is, if you are not present on stage, if you're not dialed in and tuned in and, and not just to listen, but to actually hear so often listening in our society means keeping quiet until it's your turn to speak again. Mm -hmm. And and allow taking a moment and taking a pause and actually not just listening but hearing the other person so that you can respond and every every moment and everything that you do on stage is in response to something else that has happened and that is happening continually so it's a beautiful exercise in listening and being in the moment i love it i love it Tell us more about like what's to come. So now you've like been on all these shows and you've written a book. Like what exciting is coming up for you? Ah, let's see. Oh my gosh. This weekend I'm going back to my alma mater, the University of Notre Dame, and I'm going to be interviewed about the book stuff and that's going to be really fun. I'm going to go to the football game. My second book, my next book is writing itself in my head already. So I'm sure that will come out. Um, I've written a television series that we're going to start production on. Hopefully I'll star in. Um, and, and I know that's really exciting. That's so exciting. And, uh, another screenplay that I've written and hopefully something will come of that. Lots of good, amazing things. And, and I love, and I'm so appreciative for the opportunity to, to speak with incredible people like you who are dialed in and who really do care about talking about this. Cause I think it's, the only way that change will happen and be lasting. Well, we are absolutely, I mean, I myself am like so fangirling right now. I mean, from the moment I read your book, I was like, I want to know you. I mean, I feel like the fact that you stood up to your bullies and like what you were talking about, about being present and being okay with not being attached to things and realizing that you still have value. And that is such a high place to be in. And I've been myself like working on that a lot this year. Um, I actually left like a nine to fiver at the end of last year. And, you know, wow. I feel like so much of my life has been just measured in dollars that I'm bringing home. And I come from like a workaholic family and, you know, wow. yeah, just realizing that I have value being a mother. I have value being a wife. I have value if I want to take comedy classes. Like there's so many other, you know, ways to have value other than money. And I am okay with that now. So Oh, oh, that makes my heart like explode with uh, deliciousness. That's so amazing because truly in listening to your podcast and in and, and knowing you from Facebook and in getting a chance to talk to you immediately within two seconds, I was like, this girl is a force of nature. She is absolutely on it in anything that she undertakes, like a beautiful, strong spirit who is just like a 
feisty firecracker and I'm like yes girl that's that was instantaneous and for the for you to be realizing that that is who you are regardless of what you're doing or regardless of where you are that is everything most people don't get there in a lifetime and I just I have to give you huge props for that it's amazing I, I like admire you so much. Like seriously, reading your book, I was like, first of all, really pissed off, like about what they were doing to you, cheering for you, and then just like wanting to know you. And now the fact that I had a platform where we could have this conversation is everything to me. So mm-hmm. thank you yeah. for having this open, honest conversation. And I hope that you know, it starts a conversation with other people that, you know, now they feel like they, they want to talk about it and, you know, and, and they can be okay. They can be happy with themselves and, and where they are, you know, I, I absolutely echo that. I hope so too. And Greg, for you to be as dialed in and, and curious and incredibly introspective and intelligent with your questions I just I have to give you props for being a dude in (laughs) this environment who is sensitive to the bigger picture and curious about humanity and humanness and all it this is not a binary gender thing this is not guys against girls this is absolutely a human issue that is fully integrated into Every gender, sexuality, anything. It is about power. It's not about anything else. And I just, I have to give you tons of appreciation for being as amazing as you are in this conversation and and you and Rena together putting together a platform that is so beautiful and brilliant. Yeah. No, I'm, well, first of all, thank you. That means a lot to hear you say that because I, this is something that, I've talked about it on other podcast episodes before. This platform, even though like Rena and I and Sean, the other co-host who's not able to be here today, uh, even though this is like technically like our thing, I don't view this is not my platform. This is a platform literally for the the last word in our title, people. It's not mm-hmm. for me to look cooler. It's not for Rena to look cooler. It's not for Sean to look cooler. It's literally just trying to help people get to whatever that next level is. And even if that next level is just to speak or just to get help or just to journal about it, whatever it is, like I just want people to experience whatever their healing is because we are a world full of broken people. And anybody that tells you otherwise or tries to hide it through Instagram filters is telling you a lie. We're all (laughs) screwed up up and it's okay to be screwed up as long as you're moving to whatever your next level is and so one of the things that rena and i talked about was we want to get this book in people's hands and so one if you don't want to wait until this happens uh we're going to be doing some sort of book giveaway because i feel like this is important for people to to have even if you were not impacted directly personally, you probably know somebody that has been. And so you need to get this book in people's hands. And so we're going to do a book giveaway. But if you don't want to wait until we do that book giveaway or if you don't want to take that chance and you just want to take matters into your own hand, you can go to Amazon. It's Deep 
Dark Blue is the title of the book. Polo Tate is the author that you've been listening to for the past however long it's been. She's amazing. And... (laughs) I'm, ex- I'm just so excited about where this is going, and I cannot wait to hear. Can you give us a teaser of what your next book is about? Ooh. <laughs> well, let's see. The I, I <laughs> It's not going to be a straight sequel. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just put it that way. It's going to be a little <laughs> bit lighter. But it's also going to have some amazing keys and steps to really take to get to that next level, whatever that next level is, as you so brilliantly put. So it's going to be a really heartfelt book with lots of nuggets and, uh, and takeaways. I love it. Beautiful. And awesome. if somebody wants to get connected with you, where do you want them connect, connecting with you? The easiest place is my website, polotate.com. Super easy. P-O-L-O-T-A-T-E dot com. And you can buy my book on that website as well or go to Amazon or any bookseller near you. Beautiful. Yay. Awesome. Well, Polo, we're going to have to do this again sometime real soon. And I would love that. I hopefully, I mean, I w- we need to figure out a way of getting together with our guests, Rena, because like Polo is somebody that I definitely want to meet and just hang out with because she, it's funny, actually, I didn't say this yet. You remind me so much of my wife's best friend. It's weird. Like really, <laughs> oh, like just in how you, like your mannerisms and just things that you say, it's so weird and I love it. <laughs> she's just so much fun and you seem like somebody that I need to hang out with someday so we'll figure that wow. out in the meantime the feeling is mutual. <laughs> in the, awesome in the meantime go get her book give it to somebody and share this episode because we need to get this type of an episode out to as many people as possible Polo thank you for your time and we'll definitely keep in touch thank you guys both so much for having me it's been a total pleasure total honor awesome. yay